Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Hi everyone, today we'll be reading from Galatians 5.13-26. to You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Well, good evening, everyone. My name's Ron, and I want to welcome you as well to our service this evening And it's my great pleasure now to be able to speak from the passage that Stefan read for us first from Galatians chapter 5. You may have noticed that we live in a highly divisive world. If you hadn't noticed before this week, just consider for a moment Novak and the Australian Open fiasco and you can start to see some of that division. But division isn't just out there. Division impacts our churches as well. Most of us have had some experience, unfortunately, of being in the midst of a church division. And church divisions can happen for all sorts of reasons. They can happen for theological reasons. So, for example, churches might divide over what they think about baptism, particularly the baptism of infants. Or they might divide over the role of women and uh, the role of women in ministry. Or there might be divisions, kind of ironically today, over the role of the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does. Often, though, it's not theological issues that cause division in churches. 
Often it's uh, simpler things, though, though still complex, things like generational issues as they uh, form their way out amongst communities. And sometimes it's actually really practical issues, like who can use what crockery in the church cupboard or what colour walls the church needs to be painted. We like to keep conflict at arm's length from us and often we like to think about who else is to blame, not so much what we are contributing to that conflict. But the Bible makes it really clear that the heart of all human conflict, the core issue isn't what someone else has done, but is human sinfulness, our desire to do whatever it is that we want to do, our desire to behave in ways that detract from our God-given identity as image bearers, or as Galatians chapter 5 calls it, we choose to act in ways of the flesh. As we continue our series on the Holy Spirit, We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 tonight and we're going to see that the Holy Spirit is not only God's great gift to individuals, to individual believers, but also the Holy Spirit is God's great gift to his church. And through the Holy Spirit, God transforms his church. Through the Holy Spirit, God transforms the way that we do conflict. That's the issue that Paul is addressing in Galatians chapter 5, where we come to this famous passage about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want to say before I get into things that there's no hidden agenda in this. It's not like I've been sitting in my office or listening to conversations and thought, oh man, we really need to address conflict because it's such a big issue in our church at the moment. In fact, quite the opposite. I've been greatly encouraged over the last few years at the spiritual health and maturity of St. Matt's. We've faced a number of issues that had the potential to become quite divisive, but I believe the Holy Spirit has been at work amongst us, helping us to maintain unity in the midst of some of those difficult decisions. So perhaps then this is a good time for us to think about conflict and prepare ourselves for more conflicts that will will come to ensure that as we approach conflict, we are approaching it in the spirit and in a way that brings honour to God. The conflict in Galatians chapter 5 comes out of theological differences. And I'm not going to explore all those theological differences. That's for another sermon series in the book of Galatians. And tonight's sermon isn't your classic sermon on the fruit of the Spirit either, so I'm sorry if that disappoints you. But Paul is talking about about conflict here in Galatians, and he's talking about how the Spirit, particularly in the context of conflict, transforms our conflict in a way that will no longer provoke fleshly behaviour, but rather will provoke love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says, Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. Love is what was missing in the Galatian church. Intense conflict had arisen in this church. In verse 15, we see a, we get a taste of it. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
such infighting in the church is ugly. It's aggressive and it's demeaning. Apart from the impact that it would have had on each other, on the fellowship there in Galatia, it would have also had a negative impact on the church's ability to witness. I mean, after all, who wants to listen to a message about love from a group of people who are constantly biting and devouring each other? Galatians chapter 5, I think, gives us five things to consider when it comes to how the Spirit transforms our conflict. And so I want to run through them with you. The first one is to accept that we have conflicts. Conflict will be normal in church. It will exist in church. It was there in Galatia and it will be here in West Pennant Hills. Conflict is a normal part of life in community and church represents a really diverse community. We have in our church family multiple generations. We represent different cultural backgrounds, different genders, different political views, different social standing, and on and on it goes. Adding to that a strong belief system, which Christians tend to have, and rightly so, and our awareness of human sinfulness, and of course conflict is going to happen. But notice that when Paul's dealing with the church at Galatia, he doesn't shut down the conflict. That's not his goal here. His goal isn't to say, what are you doing having conflict? You should just stop it. His goal is to help them conflict in the spirit, not against the spirit. And that is his big point, that the conflict was happening in the flesh rather than in the spirit. Verse 17 For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Whatever I want. Whatever I want is the catch cry of our age. Whatever I want is often how we define freedom. I'm free. Now I can do whatever I want. Whatever I want is easy, but whatever I want is not love. Whatever I want is the language of the flesh. Whatever I want is not language of the spirit. And so therefore, we want to commit to conflicts in the spirit, not conflicts against the spirit. Removing the whatever I want and choosing instead to commit to life in the Spirit. Well, what might that look like? Verse 16 tells us, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Life in the Spirit is active, not passive. With the Spirit's hope and strength, we are free to be able to walk where the Spirit walks. And Paul makes this really clear in verse 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, he says, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's clearly the responsibility of the believer to keep in step with the Spirit and to put to death the things of the flesh. So what's that look like? 
some years ago, I was in a setting which had become quite dysfunctional. There was large-scale relational breakdown, and there was hurt being caused to all sorts of people. I know that I experienced hurt, and I know that I contributed to hurt of others, even those whom I felt were largely responsible for the initial breakdown. At times in that conflict, I just wanted to avoid it because it was all too painful. But mostly, you know what I wanted? Mostly what I wanted was for them, the person who I thought had done the wrong, to make the first step. If they'd only come to me to try and reconcile, then I'm, I'm happy to reconcile. I wanted them to admit that they had done something wrong. My wife encouraged me to behave differently. She encouraged me to act kindly towards those who I thought had done me wrong. Now, you might not be surprised about this as you get to know me, but I resisted at first. You may also not be surprised that Julie won me over. He has a way of doing that. And so after a while, I went and bought some of uh, just a few little goods that I knew the other person liked, some of their favourite sort of treats. And I took them round to their house, knocked on the door, gave them the treats, had a brief conversation and left. Now, that was a difficult thing to do. And I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it because of what was going on in my heart. But at another level, it was only an act, a simple act of kindness. At one level, it wasn't all that hard to do. The act of kindness didn't resolve all the hurt between us. But it did go a long way to restoring a sense of fellowship so that we could work through at least some of the hurts that had existed there. What Julie had encouraged me to do was to keep in step with the Spirit. What Julie had encouraged me to do was to walk where the Spirit was walking. If I continued to do nothing, <clears throat> excuse me, the flesh would have prevailed. It already was. Instead, it was time to step where the Spirit was prompting me to step, to step on the path that I knew the Spirit would be walking to act with kindness. Third thing that I want us to consider is to discern what the Spirit wants. Sometimes it's obvious what the Spirit wants, like in the example I just gave you. Other times we need more discernment. In the church environment, we discern things together. We discern things knowing that the Spirit brings wisdom through his people. We do this by reflecting on Scripture and considering what God's told us there. We do it by coming to God in prayer and listening to what he's saying. We do it by listening to each other. And I just want to pause on that last sentence. Did you get it? We listen to each other. We don't dismiss ideas or views that are different to ours, but we listen to them. We don't belittle complaints or differences, but we listen to each other. And we also discern what the Spirit's doing by looking to elders and leaders among us. We've had some big decisions at St. Matt's over the last couple of years, as I alluded to earlier. But I've been so thankful for the way that staff, wardens, parish councillors 
and others have come together to make those decisions. That together we've been able to discern where the Spirit is taking us. And I've been equally thankful that those in our congregations who might have wished that we'd chosen something different, a different way forward, have been able to get on board. Not saying, I want to do whatever I want, but being able to move with us in unity. Sometimes the church needs to discern what the Spirit is doing in matters that almost seem counterintuitive to our Christian expression. In my theological studies, I got to study a unit on African ethics, and I was so glad that I had the opportunity and privilege to be able to do that particular unit because it really challenged a lot of my thinking. In that unit, we examined the issue of polygamy in Africa and what the response of the church was when people were converted and they were in polygamous relationships. What would you do in that situation? Force the biblical idea of one man and one woman in a marriage would actually have had a significant impact on the wives that were cut off and left behind. Socially, they would have not had a leg to stand on. But on the other hand, to just let polygamy go on would be to ignore God's expressed revelation about the sexual ethics of Christians. So what's the church to do? The African church needed to carefully discern how to respond to this issue. They needed to discern together what the Spirit wanted in this really complex situation. And no doubt, not everyone agreed with the steps that they determined to make. And that brings me to our last two points, which could be 3A and 3B, but I've called them 4 and 5. So as we discern what the Spirit wants, the fourth thing is we want to look for fleshly acts and repent. Unfortunately, the flesh manifests itself so quickly in us, particularly when it comes to conflict. Because at the heart of us, there is something that really does just want what we want. And the flesh rises up. In any conflict, if we find ourselves biting and devouring others, we know that we're not behaving in the spirit, but rather we're acting out of the flesh. We need to check our behavior. We need to repent of those things that are coming from the flesh so that we can approach conflict in a way that is in the spirit. Paul discusses fleshly acts or what you could call the fruit of the flesh in verse 19 to 21. And the list here isn't an exhaustive list, just like the fruit of the spirit isn't an exhaustive list. There's other things he could have added in here. But I guess that these are the things that were most relevant for the church that he was speaking to. And right in the middle of this list, in fact, over half of this list, uh, eight in all, fall into the category of social sins. Just consider how applicable those things are to the context of conflict, how divisive they are, how much they would ruin fellowship in a church community. These things are really significant, but unfortunately, in our world, those social sins 
are often deemed as somehow acceptable sins. The sins that we can just turn a blind eye to. The sins that we don't talk about all that much, that we just kind of let happen sometimes. Not so with Paul. Look at what he says at the end of this list. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's strong language, isn't it? Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's important to be clear that what he means by those who live like this, he's not talking about a one-off occurrence. He's talking about a, a repeated culture of behavior, a pattern of fleshly life that, that's coming up in us. Grace is what saves us. And grace is what maintains us in the Christian life. We don't fall back into a works ethic. Yet at the same time, these sins are serious. They are an indicator of fleshly life rather than life in the spirit. They destroy fellowship. And when we see them in us, in each other, we should repent and come before God and ask him to change our hearts to forgive us our sins and to enable us to approach the conflict that we're in, in the spirit rather than in the flesh. Conflict driven by selfish ambition, conflict that's driven, that, sorry, conflict that is particularly argumentative or divisive is not keeping in step with the spirit. It won't help us resolve things well. It will damage those whom Christ has died for in our fellowship and it will damage our witness to the world. When we keep in step with the Spirit, we will see the Spirit's fruit enable healthy conflict. So let's look for the Spirit's fruit, number five, and walk keeping in step with the Spirit. Consider how the Spirit creates fellowship, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about how those things would play out in a conflict situation. Think about if in any conflict, interpersonal or church conflict, Those are the things that we were bringing. Those were the things that were in our heart that we were desiring to see and think about how that conflict would be different because this is how the Spirit enables us to enter conflict. My wife Julie was right to encourage me to be kind in the conflict I talked about earlier because that's where the Spirit walks. That's what the Spirit wants for us to act, to keep in step with him. Imagine a church that resolves conflict by keeping in step with the spirit. That church would resist relying on selfish ambition. It, would re- it wouldn't stand for factions or dissension. And rather than rely on power, revenge or withdrawal, it would bring gentleness, forbearance and self-control the conflict table what a beautiful church that would be a beautiful church that promotes life amongst the believers valuing each other the way that jesus 
has valued us. But also a beautiful church because it would have a witness to the world around us. A witness that says the love that we speak about is the love that we live in. The spirit who's brought us to God is the spirit who keeps us with each other. This is what it means to keep in step with the spirit. Visiveness will always exist in the world. We won't escape it. We can't escape it. So let's keep in step with the spirit. That though we will have conflicts, let's make sure that our conflicts are conflicts in the spirit, not conflicts against the spirit. Let me pray. God, we thank you for... We thank you that you come and live in us in your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you do that to transform us individually. We thank you that you do that to transform your church. Father, particularly in this area of conflict, where you know how quickly the flesh rises up, Father, strengthen us by your Spirit. Enable us to put to death the flesh and to put on the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, that our conflicts might bring honour to each other, that we might treat each other well, and that our conflicts, through our conflicts and through the way that the Spirit enables us to, to do those conflicts, that uh, you might be glorified in the world, that people might see more of you because of that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another, and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.